Hi, this is Dan. And this is Joe. And this is Enough Room. So we were talking about um, pride and, and how, I guess, what pride is and what that means. But I think an important question um, that was raised was, I guess, how do we respond to pride? Mm. And, and, and what, what does it achieve? Um, is pride seen as pushing something in people's faces? Mm. Is it seen as as promoting something and advertising something? Yeah. Or is it just seen as trying to increase visibility? And and more, sp- I guess, specific to that is we were at a wedding this past weekend and we were chatting with uh, one of the other guests there who happens to be the first and only out gay referee in his division or his area. I don't know much about soccer, so <laughs> I have no idea what I'm <laughs> talking about. But anyway, his from here in Sydney and his region, his division, whatever that is, um, he's the only out gay uh, referee. And so for him, it's been very important for him to be visible. Um, and one of the things he was sharing was uh, the reason why he wants to be visible is for anyone else who might be out there in the closet to know that, you know, it's okay. He's, he's a, he is a safe space. So when he, what that looks like is when he's out on the field, he might be wearing uh, certain colors, uh, whether they be, um, you know, on his laces or his socks, whatever it is. Um that are very clear that he's part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and at the same time, he, you know, he isn't shy about the fact that he is in a relationship with another man. And so he does things um, that make it very clear that he is gay. Um, and so the question, of course, was raised, like, you know, have you found that to be um a great way to open up conversations and to create a more accepting space uh, within soccer here in Sydney? Or has it actually created roadblocks with people mm-hmm. because they see you as maybe pushing or rubbing the gay stuff in their faces? Um, and so it it's always such an interesting thing to think about because I hear this a lot where some people will think, you know, it's okay to be gay, just don't rub it in our faces, we don't Mm. want to know about it. But at the same time, I think there's a conversation to be had about being visible Mm. and the conversations that come out of seeing someone who's visible. And I think we we did talk about that a few weeks ago as well a little bit um, in terms of how visibility can be a huge help to counteracting the shame that is associated with uh, people's identity and and whether that be identifying as a queer person or something else but seeing seeing someone that you can relate to in similar position to you or something that you may aspire to whether that be up the front preaching or leading in praise and worship when you're talking about a church context Maybe it's just attending, but seeing someone else in your church family that you can relate to um, is a huge help to being able to accept yourself and not be ashamed of who you are because you can see someone else like you and you don't feel like you're all alone. So I think in that sense, visibility is is a huge help. And, and we did 
we did talk about that. But where I guess where do you where do you draw the line and, and where does that switch happen between visibility and pushing something onto people and forcing something um, into people's faces is is that something that is just a perception of the individual is that something that the um, I guess that's all up to the church how they react and how they see something or is that something that the the, the community can change the way that they do something um, to I guess not be so forceful but still be visible mm. well I, I'm going to go back to that whole thing about me wearing a lava lava to church and I find it interesting that when I wear a lava lava to church the comments that I get is oh wow you're from the islands which one you know um or oh you know KFC <laughs> you guys love KFC um but it's completely different to a person coming to church and being visibly gay or LGBTQ plus mm. I never get the whole oh why are you rubbing your islander in my face you know I know that sounds so wrong but yeah why are you you know, no one would ever say that. Yeah. And I find it interesting that whenever we talk about um, being proud and out as a gay person, um, there are then comments about, don't rub it in my face. It's mm. okay that that's working for you, but you don't need to mm. put that out there. You know, it's it's almost like being an islander is, uh, you know, an integral part of who I am. It's, as natural as me breathing right now but for gay people or how people look at gay people i think when someone goes oh you know stop rubbing it in my face i think it throws back to that whole idea that being gay is a choice mm. whereas being islander is it's not, not a choice. It's something you're born with yeah. and so somehow we can switch it on and off mm. and i think what that then has caused especially amongst gay people is that we code switch mm. and what i mean by that is you know sometimes when i'm with my islanders i tend to speak or behave a certain way but then when i'm with people who are not islanders i tend to speak and behave a completely different way and um, the same thing happens with, uh, I think, a lot of gay people in the church. When they're with other straight church people, they behave and speak in a certain way. But mm. as soon as they're with, um, you know, their fellow um, rainbow people, um, they speak and behave in a mm. different way. I don't know how healthy that is. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's like having two different identities yeah. and, and having to know which face, which mask should I be wearing yeah. right now to make sure everyone else is comfortable. Yeah, that, that's why I don't think it's necessarily um, the person who is mm. gay or LGBTQ plus to have to somehow police mm. um, how they, yeah, how they present themselves or how they interact, mm. how they are. So yeah, I don't think it's their responsibility to police mm. that. Um, I think the responsibility lies on the church mm. and on that particular community, uh, the church community, sorry, to be more open mm. and to understand um, what being LGBTQ plus actually is. And I think education has a, has a lot to do with that because 
Um, I mean, as you just said, I think a lot of the, uh, I guess, feeling of, of um, you know, culture is okay to represent, but your sexuality is not, is this idea that sexuality is a choice. Um, that takes education to teach people, no, it's not a choice. And there is a lot of research that's been done into that. And there's just, uh, you know, evidence is overwhelming. People don't choose this. Um but then I think that there's also so much more, so much more that has been, um, I guess, ingrained in people. So things like um, that the queer community recruits, um, <laughs> you know, if it is a cho- And I think that stems from the idea that it's a choice, that we then try and convince people to be like us and join our community. And so then that makes sense why people would be afraid of you pushing your sexuality because they see that as you recruiting and trying to bring people, um, trying to make people gay, trying to make people trans, whatever it may be, trying to convert people. And so they don't like you pushing it into their faces in case you manage to convert someone. Look, I'm I'm going to be honest here. I struggle with trying to organize my week. (laughs) So I really don't have time to organize a movement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I, I don't get this whole idea of like recruiting and somehow starting yeah. like a, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the gay conspiracy theory. Yeah. It's, take it, over the world. It, it's the weirdest thing. Also, what does being gay look like? You know, mm. what does gay culture look like? And I yeah. think that's another conversation where um, we generalize so much. Mm. When we talk about gay culture, you know, what is gay culture? Yeah. Um, when you came out, Dan, did you suddenly get the urge to wear rainbow colors every day, all day? Did you suddenly get <laughs> the urge to listen to Britney Spears every day? Do you suddenly get the urge to redecorate your whole wardrobe? <laughs> I think for me, stereotypes did, I guess, influence the way that I thought I should behave. And I think that's a whole other conversation yeah. about about how... Um, I guess media and, and things mm. influence us and what stereotypes are. But I think the what's interesting for me is is just seeing how around the world, um, I guess seeing stories of how the church has interacted with the queer community and, and how they've responded to the queer community and how that has, I guess, impacted um, the church's relationship with the organization i guess you could say is always quite interesting and um seeing i guess uh, so in that sense seeing churches who have really made a stand and tried to um i guess overtly state that they are affirming uh, that they are welcoming and that they want to be open to all people no matter what their sexuality or gender identity whatever it may be um, it's interesting to see that that there are churches out there who have made those statements, and they're still a part of the Adventist church community. They, they um, it's not like that their uh, status as an Adventist church or their right to use the Adventist church name has been taken away from them, um, and yet they've been able to make quite overt statements, and yet. It seems like a lot of churches. Um, I was reading an article recently that it, you know, as it said, it seems like the the default is this "don't ask, don't tell" sort of policy, where the churches almost don't really even want to know um, about this. They um, they don't want to ask their members. They don't ask people if they're gay, but they don't want to know. Um, and the the difficulty with that is 
that there is a lack of visibility, there is a lack of discussion. And sure, it might be, um, I guess, safe because it's not overt and it's not in your face. And so you're not going to get the resistance from people who do feel that there is an issue with homosexuality. Um, But I think in terms of being a safe place for community members, a different story because if if someone in that church is coming out and if they are reaching that point of of identifying themselves as part of the queer community oftentimes when they do come out and they are more obvious about who they are because there's been no discussion around it the church doesn't really know how to respond and more often than not they don't respond in a positive manner mm. and and this is why you know going back to your question like Whose responsibility is it, you know, is it ours to sort of police how we behave or how proud we are to be gay or is it the church's um, responsibility? And so I I think, uh, and, you know, people can disagree with me, but I think the onus is on the church. Mm. Um, We were having a conversation recently with another uh, fellow gay Christian who recently came out of a relationship Mm. and he mentioned how... Um, his church community was, you know, a huge help Mm. and a safe place and a place where he could go to and um, just rebuild his life and, um, you know, just recollect himself and to heal um, from what had happened. And I thought about it and I was like, wow, you know, um, what about other gay or queer people out there Mm. who might go through some sort of life event and don't have anywhere to go to to heal. And I'm not talking about healing in terms of, you know, conversion therapy or whatever it might be. Like, for example, if I ask the question, when was the last time a straight person came out of a relationship and went, oh, maybe I'm gay, you know? It's just ridiculous. Um, but the, the point that I'm trying to make is, where are those safe spaces that anyone can go to, regardless mm. of their orientation, man or woman, um, you know, regardless, where they can go to and they can find a safe space to Mm. just be, to recollect themselves and to heal um, from whatever pain that they've just gone through. Uh, And it was beautiful to hear him talking about the church in that way, uh, considering that he was, you know, a gay person in the church. Um, and, And that's why I feel more than anything, the onus is on the church to uh, make itself a more accepting space and Mm. a more safe space. Um, And I think that begins with educating Mm. um, themselves with what exactly does it mean when someone says that they're gay, you know, or queer? Um, What what exactly does it mean Mm. when we say gay pride? Mm. What exactly does it mean when someone uses the word, you know, gay lifestyle? Mm. You know, what does that mean? Um, And if we continue to regurgitate, I guess, some of the uh, often frustrating um, (laughs) views that the church has had on the LGBTQ plus community, then I don't think we'll ever get to that space where gay people will feel uh, Mm. safe in church. Um, And and that's sad. Mm. And I think that that's where you're right. I think there is a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of the responsibility does fall on the church because there are churches out there who, as I said, they've, they've made quite affirming statements and have made it quite clear that they're welcoming. And I think what's really powerful about that 
is that the church has put themselves in a position of vulnerability in the sense that they are going out on a limb. They're going against the denomination's official standpoint. But in doing so, they are providing a place of protection for people in the queer community. So they are p- providing this, this safe space for these individuals who can't so easily stand up against the, um, I guess, the organized church. Whereas a church congregation has a lot more sway in being an, an, an ability to stand up against the church authority because there is more of them. They, they are, they're an organization, they are, a, are an entity that is part of the Adventist church, whereas an individual can't stand up against that. And so I think that that's also another reason why a lot of the responsibility from my perspective does fall on the church to, to be able to um, provide a space where people can be visible and that they can be proud. And it's up to the church not to react to that and see that as being pushy but acknowledge that that is this person trying to find a way of being comfortable with themselves and acknowledging who they are and being open and honest about themselves because for so long they've had to hide within the church mm. and they've had to hide who they really are and and they've had to suppress who they really are yeah. to try and appease the church and keep the church comfortable. Yeah. And I don't believe that that is fair. Mm. And for us queer people, I think we have a responsibility as well um, to do the job of educating, to uh, do that job of uh, informing um, our peers, our friends, um, people who we um, come in contact with in church about what it means to be, you know, a proud gay person. Um, you know, I'm I'm not saying that we drive down immediately to our local church with flags and Britney Spears, you know, <laughs> on loudspeaker. But, you know, when we are interacting with people in our local uh, church or in our small groups or whatever it might be, um, to be able to educate them. Um, and I think that's such an important thing that we get to contribute to um, in this whole conversation about, you know, whose responsibility is it? Yes, I put the onus on the church, but at the same time, I think we have a part to play in educating people. Um, you know, again, as an islander, <laughs> I, you know, I don't rock up to church with a trolley full of corned beef. Um, but I invite people over to my home or when I do, uh, go to dinner to someone's house, I make sure that there's, you know, a nice island dish that I prepare. Maybe it's balsami, you know, again, it's a role that we can play is to present our stories, um, and our experiences, um, to the church. Um, and, and I might get some flack for this, but I'm going to say in a way that's non-confrontational, in a way that is firm and with confidence. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we hide away and, you know, minimize aspects of our experience and our stories. Um, but what, I, what I'm what i actually saying is to be confident in it mm-hmm. and to 
put it across in a way where people can hear it and people can connect with it. Because mm. I think regardless of who you are and regardless of your orientation, there are things in our human experience that draw us together. Mm. And if we can magnify those parts of it, um, if we can you know, share our stories and in a way that helps people connect with it, I think that helps um, create a space that is welcoming and mm. safe within our churches. Because, you know, my mind goes back to, and I'm not old enough to know this, so, you know, it's based on documentaries that I've watched and things like that. When my mind goes back to how they talk about the AIDS epidemic, especially in America, and sort of the turning point. And I was watching a documentary the other day and the person who was sharing said the turning point was, you know, they were making strides with marches and all of those things. But the turning point was when people were seeing stories of these gay people and what they were going through. And it was the stories that made such a huge impact. And so, yes, I think there's a place for, you know, your marches and all of those things. But I think... For those of us who are in churches, you know, our stories can make a difference. Um, and as we continue to share in these spaces, like Dan said, there are churches out there who've made a very clear stance that, you know, they are fully supportive of the LGBTQ plus community. Find them, educate, share your stories. Or if you're in a, another church that hasn't reached that point, but you can definitely see that they are moving there, again, use your voice and use your story to make that difference. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Enough Room. We'll be dropping another episode in about a week's time. So until then, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Till next time. Bye. Bye.